Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. It's a bittersweet thing. It's funny to me sometimes, and it's heartbreaking to me sometimes that people forget that business is made up of people. Nothing gets done without the people. Like you can go sell all kinds of things to other people, but somebody has to deliver the product or service that you've just sold. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. All righty, welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving online information entrepreneurs throughout the U.S. and the world. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. I am so excited to bring my friend Don Andrews on today. Welcome, Don. Hello. So happy to be here. Woo-woo. This is going to be fun. So the backstory for Don and I is that we met in... Was it in person first? Was it in the? It had to be in person, right? At I the think event, it was in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that then turned into a mastermind, right? So then we yeah. were in a mastermind for a little while, but we were comparing dates, and I think that was back in 2015, 2016. It's been six or seven years pre pre my second child, and obviously quite a few other things in life that has that have happened since. So um, this will be a fun little reunion. But for those of you that don't know Don, Don Andrews is the founder and CEO of Free Range Thinking, a boutique business strategy consultancy that equips and empowers entrepreneurs to confidently lead their businesses while ensuring future growth, big profits, and happy clients. Don is also a keynote speaker and host of the My Good Woman podcast. I hope you will share more about that today, Don. She also runs the Female Leadership Accelerator, dedicated to advancing the next generation of female leaders, helping them to deepen their impact on their communities and the world. She is an accomplished trainer and speaker featured on the Oprah Winfrey Network, CBS, and CNN. Dawn, welcome. We are going to have so much fun. Thank you. I'm ready for it. Woohoo. So I'd love for you to take us back a little bit in your own story. I want people to hear a little bit more about your roots and the origins of your path into business. Do you mind sharing with us how you got to your level and area of entrepreneurship? Yes, it is a story of street smarts, frustration, and intuition. Mm -hmm. So I began my business after I was riffed out, reduction in force, which is going on for a lot of people these days. Yep. I was riffed out of my current position. But prior to leaving, I had looked around to see where... I always looked at my advancement in my career at that time by chairs. I would see what chair do I want to sit in next? Which office would I like to sit in next? And that would help drive my curiosity and the steps that I would take and the improvements I would make to be able to move towards the next chair. And at the time of the rift, there were no chairs. Not mm. meaning there wasn't one for me, but there was nothing that excited me, nothing that mm. piqued my curiosity. So that was the intuition and frustration part. And I hired an executive coach at the time. 
to review everything, you know, where have I been? What have I done? What am I interested in? And I decided that I wanted her job. <laughs> like, what? there's my new chair. So I dove in to study. I got my master's in organizational development and became a coach and started my practice 22 years ago now. That's and, amazing. And this is the street smarts part. I just started and worked, ready, fire, aim, did things, yep. <laughs> talked to people, sold some stuff, served some people, figured it out, got better, found new audiences, found new things that I was excited to deliver, listened to my clients to find out what they were struggling with, and then found ways to become better at helping them with those struggles and each successive struggle after we solved problems. And over the course of 22 years, here we are. And it's been a really fun, twisty, <laughs> exhilarating ride. Yep, especially twisty, I could imagine. Um, so, and I know this is a obviously a general categorization, right? When I think of you, I think of business building, business leadership. How would you describe yes. the work that you do? Yeah, the focus that we have is on business strategy and growth. And the doorway that we go through first is executive leadership. Mm. So we are always working with founder level, C-level, um, founder owner level to help them become extraordinary leaders of their own mm -hmm. business so that they can grow. What do you find? And I'd love to, I mean, I want to dig into some of your even earlier backstory as well. But what do you find is the biggest struggle that most leaders are facing in their businesses? Like when you come in the door, I'm sure there are some situations where it feels like a fire is burning, right? And you have to put out some fires before you can move on to some of the other work. What do you see as kind of those, those hot issues? It's shocking to me sometimes, but what I have found consistently is that it's a lack of understanding of themselves. Mm. So, you know, some people will call it leadership style, but people don't understand how they're actually coming off to others. So even if they have great strategy, mm. even if they think they've put together a great meeting structure, even if they've got big goals or plans, they have no idea how their behavior is impacting the rest of the team. And so you can have a leader that even might be producing great results. But if you actually did a 360 with their team, their team is highly dissatisfied. We're in the era of quiet quitting, resentful yeah. work. And so leaders are disconnected from who they are, how they're coming off, and then actually connecting with their team and what their team is experiencing. Mm. You know, it just reminds me like the number of times I've seen posts in the last, let's just call it the last couple of years around what skills are going to be most essential in, you know, the next iteration of our economy. Mm -hmm. It's all of the soft skills that were ignored for so yes. long in corporations, in bigger businesses, in the marketplace, right? That's what you're talking about. It always cracks me up. It, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it, mm -hmm. I mean, it cracks me up. It's a bittersweet thing. It's funny to me sometimes. And it's heartbreaking to me sometimes that people forget that business is made up of people. <laughs> right. Nothing gets done without the people. Like you can go sell all kinds of things to other people, but somebody mm -hmm. has to deliver the product or service that you've just sold. And that's people. So why wouldn't you get good at that? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, you know, it's so crazy because once you spend time in, and I've spent time inside of large and small organizations, you know, obviously run my own small businesses. And 
it's all people. The, mm-hmm. the team building, the sales, the collaboration, the like everything. It's just, it's so fascinating to me that those things were ever separate, right? The emphasis yeah. on really understand because, because business building and like the number of times, even on this podcast, we've had conversations with people where it's back to the fundamentals every time. Mm-hmm. It's relationship building, it's communication, it's listening, it's, you know, and it is fascinating how certain people end up repeatedly in leadership positions without having much awareness of self when it comes, you know, and I don't know if you can comment on that. Like, is there a certain personality type that's just attracted to leadership? Is it that it's just the human journey and it's something that we all have to face at some point, right? What is it? It's interesting. And I understand how we got here, I think. Relating to people is complex. It requires effort. It requires nuance and really good listening. And business doesn't reward those particular skills directly. It rewards them indirectly. So when you're looking at a balance sheet and a revenue line, you're looking at numbers which were delivered by people, but Mm -hmm. you're only thinking of it in terms of the number. We've disconnected that. And when we think about driving the number, we think about the tactics to get there, but not how we need to relate to people to get them there. That's right. The people skills to get there. And what might Mm -hmm. motivate different people. And it, it is a discipline and it does take time to learn and energy to put into it. But when you are driven by a number and if you're in a leadership position, there's always some level of fear that's going on and some level of imposter syndrome and concern that's going on. You're going to push away the things that you're not naturally good at and drive towards Mm -hmm. the things that you are that you think are going to deliver the number. And oftentimes it's the people part that gets pushed away. So to answer your question about who ends up in leadership, because we, we reward numbers disconnected from people, people who are disconnected from people tend to progress more quickly in leadership because mm. there's not an easy way to measure that nuance. Yeah. My sister who's inside of a, a company, she's in sales and she's been in sales the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. And she's phenomenal. She quickly climbs the ranks in any company that she joins and she also quickly exits because she outgrows her position so fast, Mm. right? And always there are significant management issues, you know, and what she finds is just what you've said, right? That companies are looking at numbers and they will put people in place that understand numbers or maybe achieved good numbers themselves, but don't actually have the leadership skills that it takes to lead a team on that path. And so Mm -hmm. these teams are all limited by their management, not Mm -hmm. by the salespeople. Yeah. You know, and it's anyways, it's just been a really consistent conversation. I mean, I just watch companies everywhere struggle with this very thing. And it is a big struggle. And I get it. When you Mm -hmm. think about there are a lot of other organizations out there that focus on business growth. And Mm -hmm. you'll hear them use the words like buttons to push, levers to pull, Mm -hmm. that kind of languaging. And for sure, depending upon the kind of business that you're in, there are efficiencies that like order more at one time or Mm -hmm. skip, you know, reduce some of the steps in a product delivery process. Like there, there are functional ways to squeeze more juice out of the orange. 
But then once you've done that, the limitations of growth are sometimes not necessarily about a a scaling structure conversation. Mm -hmm. They're about finding the right people, putting them in the right spots and then leading and motivating them well to do well that can give you a next level of growth beyond just the buttons and the levers. Mm. This this might be a question where you're like, hmm, I don't really want to answer it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. <laughs> Those are the best questions on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever come across folks where, you know, because I assume we all have a growth path that we're on when it comes to our personal leadership, our capacity for leadership. How often if ever, do you bump into somebody where you're like, man, they just really should not be in a leadership position because there's not the openness to work on. And I assume if you're getting hired, I mean, probably the top people are hiring you at a company, right? It's one thing if like the owner of a small business, him or herself directly is hiring you and they're motivated to grow, right? But you have this additional complexity when you're dealing with teams. And I assume some people are motivated for that development and others just are not. Yeah, and it's true. So what I've found so far, and I've worked with thousands of companies, that point of view and behavior that you're describing stalls out in the middle. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like VP level and above, SVP, EVP. And then when you come to founder owners, if they're hiring me, they're already open. They they right. see some need and they want something. Yep. And then if they've made it to those senior levels of leadership, they have been effective and effective to some degree. But we're it, at that point, it's a performance issue. It's like working with a high level athlete and getting them to elite status. Yes. But the yeah. phenomenon you're describing usually stalls out in the middle. And the ones that are not open to improving, they can probably hop from position to position, but not necessarily advance. It feels like advancement because there's a lateral move, but they're not necessarily moving up. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. What do you love most about your work? And I know you've got variety of facets, right? So I say your work broadly, but you've got a variety of things going on within that. The diversity of people. So what I find consistently is that the the challenges that people are facing are the same. Mm. But the people and their unique approach to it and their personalities and their skill sets and their intelligence and their histories is what's so, super fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's the variety of that is really fun to work with. Oh, I bet. And it must be so fun when you see people that you are working with for any length of time, I assume, reach those like aha type of moments of like, oh my gosh. Popcorn moments. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love a popcorn moment. (laughs) Totally. Do you want to describe some of those? The What the ahas are especially Mm -hmm. or what a popcorn moment is or both? What the ahas are especially that you see. So um, there was a CEO that I was working with recently, very effective, like CEO, obviously. Mm -hmm. So they're they're running a, a multifaceted, complex, large company. And in my model of leadership that I develop and work with uh, work with my clients on, it's vision alignment mm-hmm. and execution. Those are the mm-hmm. that's the triumvirate. And this person was very good with vision and very good with execution, but the alignment piece wasn't coming together quite the way that she wanted to. That was where we could squeeze more juice out of the orange. Uh... And the discovery in that moment was curiosity. Her popcorn moment was if she asked why more often. Mm-hmm then it would reveal where her team aligned with her way of thinking and her approach to getting things done or didn't. 
And then that's the training opportunity or the doubling back to make sure that the strategy is online in alignment with that person and with that Mm. particular area. And once she realized that she just needed to listen and ask why, her job became like easily 50% easier because she wasn't trying to repeat the same stories over and over again. Force a square peg into a round hole. Yes. Yeah. It gives you the insight to see where things are going off track and then to correct it. Mm, That was totally a goosebumps moment because I think of how many people at the top feel like they have to have the plan, right? And then it's about executing the plan. Yeah. But you're, you're people on the ground, your boots on the ground. Like I think of my sister and her sales team. Like if her manager would just sit down and be like, you guys, what's working? What's not working? Why is it not working? Like she would learn so much rather than being like, here's what you got to do. Go do it. And acting like a military person about it, you know, it's top down, it's top down marketing strategies on the company level that that also need to be fixed. Right. And because these people are trying to implement it and it's just not working. So yeah, that piece about just curiosity and listening and I think a huge part of that is like trusting the team that you've built to bring you the answers, Mm -hmm. right? We will go deep and ask questions and be curious about our clients and customers. Mm -hmm. We'll do customer research. We'll do market research. We'll, you know, call people in for focus groups Mm -hmm. and we'll listen intently because we know that sales demand it and are hinged on whatever that information is. But we don't do that Mm -hmm. for our teams. Mm. And it's the like sales demanded and are hinged on that too. It's the it's the complementary piece. Totally. And and I'd love actually for you to talk about this in relation to some of the because I'm sure you work with, you know, some rather larger companies and larger businesses, but speaking to a group of entrepreneurs that are, and let's pretend that you are talking, you know, now to a group that are small, but they're in the maybe a couple million dollar a year in revenue range. They're building teams. They've got small groups of people that are helping them run that machine. Mm -hmm. So it's a different scale, but it's still the same concept. Is there anything different about your work with those smaller teams or is it the same stuff that you're covering? Same, same, which, you know, hopefully can give um, small business owners some confidence that this is, you may be at this particular place, your revenue may have this many zeros behind it, your team may be this size, but the the challenges that you're facing in a smaller subset is like the Mm -hmm. nucleus of a team inside a larger organization. It's still the same set of challenges. It's still the same demands of you as a leader. Mm. It's not a lot of difference there. It creates actually such a good visual, even when you think about larger organizations, really what they are is a whole bunch of subsets, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's how larger organizations have to work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because the practice I've developed in my own businesses is, you know, whether I'm talking to three members at a time, a single member of my team, it's like if something's not working, because I'm really good at observing patterns like, oh, I noticed this has happened a couple of times now. Let's sit down and talk about what's going on. And I never approach it from the standpoint of a people problem, like, oh, whose fault is this? Or mm, like, yeah. wow, how did that dr-? like I always look at it from a system standpoint, like, oh, okay. Let's look at what system we have. How did this break down? Like what ideas? And I think that like you know, my VA in particular, who currently 
was new to the VA business. She came actually from an education background. And she gave me feedback early on. She was like, the thing that I appreciate about you most is that you are always asking questions about how do we fix the system, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than making it a people problem. And I, and at least for me, I have found those conversations to be so much more beneficial and creative than just being like, oh, I see this mistake. You need to fix it or whatever, mm. right? But understanding it from like, okay, let's fix this. And how do we fix the system moving forward so that we, you know, it takes this bump out of the road for us. Um, but team members always have great ideas about how to fix it. They're the ones running the systems. They're the ones doing the the work on the ground day in and day out, right? I would feel silly being like, oh, here's the fix and just telling them what to do. Like, yeah, sometimes I have an idea or what do you think of this? But it feels honestly to me so much more supportive to just ask for the answers and assume that they're probably going to come up with a pretty good one. Well, chances are they might be doing whatever the thing is a lot better than you do it anyway. Totally. And I appreciate the systems approach that you have. If you would like to receive a bit of coaching, I will give totally. you a little bit of coaching. Yes. So the the people part to add back into it is to mm-hmm. be curious about what choices they made or what they're thinking or the story they were telling themselves that had them make the choice that had the system go off mm-hmm. in a direction that you didn't want it to go. Because mm-hmm. their thinking still might be sound, but the system may need... Yeah, may need to mm-hmm. have an upgrade or a change, mm-hmm. you know, so and sometimes you're looking for that feedback from them, but you may need to step back one step just yep. to say, this is how that event went. Mm-hmm. This is what we collectively has said worked and didn't work about it. Tell me what your thought process was that got to the that had us have these parts that didn't go mm-hmm. as well as we had thought. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what was the thinking? Because because nobody nobody goes into it wanting to sabotage a system, wanting an event to go horribly. Like everybody is, you know, for the most part is coming in wanting it to go at best yeah. satisfactorily, if not to have it turn out in the best way possible. So totally understanding how people were thinking about it helps yeah. reveal some other places that can help you upgrade your systems. All right, let's pause for a moment and hear from today's sponsor. Are you an entrepreneur who is on track to make a million or more in revenue this year in your business? So your business is likely facing a host of legal issues that are ripe for support. Many of my clients at this level, you are likely tired of taking unnecessary risks and a DIY approach to legal support in your business. You're ready to tackle the mess of legal documents, fix legal gaps that you have. You want to take care of your IP, your clients, your business, necessary conflict and risk in the process. If this is you, and beyond just being an entrepreneur, you are a catalyst and are committed to your mission and your impact in the world, I invite you to get in touch. You could be a fit for my Catalyst Club a small business legal support program that I designed for my high-level clients just like you. You can find out more at legalwebsitewarrior.com. Just click on the Work With Me tab to learn more about the Catalyst Club and other ways that I support my clients. A fabulous group of world-changing entrepreneurs, I might add. You've done the initial legwork in your business, and now you want to soar. 
And you know that you can only go as high and as far as your legal foundation lets you go. So get in touch today. Hop over to LegalWebsiteWarrior.com. Click on the Work With Me tab. And if you have any questions, get in touch through the contact link on my site. I look forward to connecting. It would be a joy to support you on your path. So I love the curiosity piece that you mentioned as far as like some of the, the popcorn, popcorn moment. moments. Uh-huh. Yeah. What else do you find tend to be some of the ahas for people in leadership positions that are, you know, needing some support? <laughs> that not everybody thinks the way you do. Right? Surprise! <laughs> I know. Bummer. I have such a good way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's really phenomenal. I mean, people people will hire in their own image. So they, they will hire for for skill set, which is going to show Say up that on again. I know. Hiring in their, hire own in their own image. Yeah. So that fascinating true it is. story. And sometimes people will hire, it's like you'll hire somebody you want to go have a beer with, but not necessarily totally. the person that's the right fit for hey, that role. I like you. We should hang out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and I don't discount the value of having a convivial culture, of having mm. a culture where people are, you know, if everybody is like a talk over. Well liked and you get along. Yeah. Like there are some cultures that I work with and I was just doing it with you. I'm a talk over people person. But some some cultures, that's what it's like. And yeah. and if you hire somebody into that culture that's not a talk over person, they may feel like they can't get a word in edgewise. They don't know how, how to contribute in meetings. Yeah, they don't mm. connect. They're not in it. I mm. recently worked with a team whose culture was predominantly... Um, they work better when they can email communication. Like everybody likes to receive an email, digest it, be able to think it through, analyze, and then return it. But there were a few people in the culture that are a lot more like speak off the cuff, a lot Mm -hmm. more, you know, faster pace. They process verbally in the moment. And so there is a big disconnect between the, these few people that were more like that Mm. and the many that were more Mm. in the email camp. And they're collaborating. So you have to find ways to bridge that gap for people. Oh, that is such a great example of how different cultures can be within a business, right? Mm -hmm. And thinking about it that way, like you actually have a culture in your business, including in your small business. And what does that look like? And are you crafting that carefully? I'm sure a huge part of what you do on the vision side is helping people get to the right version of that rather than just creating one inadvertently. Yeah, well, there's two two parts. So the vision is, you know, the imagined future for your company and or that division or that set of goals. But and that's its own conversation. But then crafting the culture, like what what would this company, you know, how do we do what we do mm-hmm. here? Not how tactically, but like, are we a talk over culture? Are, are we a raise our hand side. in a meeting culture? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. how do we do what we do? That part is, it's actually a relatively easy fix for most leaders, Mm. especially if you have a professional that you can work with to help you sort that out. But once Mm. you have that, then it becomes easier to disseminate the vision, make sure that people got Mm. it. Because again, different learning styles, different professional styles, people intake, like they digest that vision differently Mm. depending upon their styles. And if you know what they are, then you can just, we were just having this conversation before we started the podcast about diet and which things make us feel better when we eat them and which things don't. Like once you know how people like to consume, Mm -hmm. then you can feed them in a way that actually is more effective. Mm, That's so good. On that point, are there 
tools or exercises that you have a really strong preference for to help people arrive at those understandings, right? Because I know that the marketplace is awash with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we we over here at Free Range Thinking are devotees mm-hmm. of the DISC program, of, okay. of the DISC process and all mm-hmm. of its different layers. The downside of any of these tools like Myers-Briggs, DISC, mm-hmm. Colby, Strong, you know, there's a million yep. of them. Yep. But the downside of them is that organizations, large or small, will take the assessments, read the assessments, maybe have a one-day training, but they don't actually engage with somebody to help them pull it all through. And they don't see how that information can actually, on a day-to-day revenue-connected mm-hmm. way, impact the company if they if they engage with a longer conversation about it. Yeah. And so that's a well, lot of a lot of what we do is to pull it oh, through wow. so that it's real. Well, I mean, you, you talk about any expert role, like all experts come with like a really important body of knowledge, right? But where does it fall down? The implementation side. We can Always. all consume, read, watch, whatever. And then we all struggle in some way or another in one area or more in our lives with the actual implementation of it. And that's where that continued support, having an expert like yourself actually break it down into how you not only understand it, but then utilize it in a way, right, to change the outcome. For sure. And even if it's just the leader or top level managers that engage Mm -hmm. in that conversation in an ongoing way, that can have a game changing effect on your whole culture. Oh, I bet that whole top down, you know, leadership, observation, strategy, like people, it's... um what was the quote? You know, people don't lo- leave companies, they leave bad managers. Yeah. Right. So on the oh, flip yeah. side, you know, you've got somebody in a management position working really hard to support their people and do it the right way. People will stick around through tough times. Yeah. And right now, employee retention is paramount. Oh, my gosh. I won't mention whose company this is. I have somebody relatively close in my life who uh, works at a place that has 40% turnover right now, 40%. And we're talking a, a company of hundreds of people. I was like, oh, oh, that's heartbreaking. Because think about that. Freaking nightmare. Oh, I know. Like, I don't even actually know how they're operable with that yeah. level of turnover. Yeah. Because at the at the worst end of it is the functional level, like, can we keep the doors open? But that's yeah. that's knowledge that's walking out the door. That's yes. relationships and connections. That's training and hiring time that has to start Continuity. over, which means, yeah. yeah, your your executives that are having to fill those slots are not focused on what they're supposed to be focused on. No, and the people that are left are all doing double duty, like they're spread too thin because they're having to cover all these... Ga- I mean, it's will be an interesting thing to observe how this goes for them. And and probably for many companies coming out of this period where there is so much disruption in the marketplace. Yeah. Right. What What are you seeing in regards to that? I mean, are the companies that you're working with, is that one of the issues that they're facing is turnover? Is that why they find you and get help or no? No, usually when people are reaching out to us, it's they want to find another gear in how their business works. Mm. They want to be able to shift into the next gear. And it they may recognize that it has something to do with them as the founder mm. owner. 
Mm-hmm. Or they may think it's that they've reached some level of growth with what their business model is, that they've tapped mm-hmm. out what's capable, what their business model is capable of. It may be that they have just found a little bit of space and they want to think of something like what's next, what's bigger, what's the mm-hmm. you know, what's the plan for total world domination? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So usually I like to think of where I'm at. So usually if you think of therapy, Mm -hmm. people go to therapy often previously. Thankfully, this has changed a lot, to be fair. But it used to be that people would go to therapy because they were in a dysfunctional situation with themselves or with someone else. And they would be in therapy to go from dysfunctional to functional. Mm. Thankfully, that is changing. And more people that are in functional places are Are seeing a therapist. Thank goodness. Thank goodness is right. <laughs> yes. And like I'm in it. I love I love my therapy. Like that's mm-hmm. yes. And I'm usually finding companies that are functional that want that next want that next mm-hmm. step. So yeah. occasionally something's on fire when we come in, but usually it's it's people that are ready for that next level of growth. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I also love your focus on female entrepreneurship and yes, leadership girl. in particular, right? So do you want to share with us what you're doing there? I know you've got a, a podcast that sounds like it's all about women leadership and women led businesses. Do you want to share what's going on there? Yes. So mm-hmm. my greatest passion and commitment is that we have more women in leadership positions across the board everywhere. is what I would like. And that's in your church. That's in your school district. On every board. That's right. And I find that we still need help learning to advocate for ourselves, learning to speak up for ourselves, learning to regulate ourselves to be able to see the situation and that we're in and and speak to the people that are around us. Like we just, we need a little bit of a polish and an up level on our leadership skills to be able to claim these positions and claim claim a seat mm-hmm. at the table or continue building our own tables. Mm-hmm. So I have the My Good Women podcast, which mm-hmm. is conversations with culture shifting, glass ceiling busting, trailblazing oh, women love it. that are leading enterprises that are changing the world. Mm-hmm. And it's all about women stepping outside of traditional roles, asking 100%. for things that people think are too big, calling yep. others to account. That to me is the definition of a good woman. Like if you're if you're stirring it up, you're a good woman. Right? Yes. It's oh, it's so true. Oh my gosh. I could go into so many stories on that topic alone. Where do you see obviously it's a broad category. Where do you see women's leadership currently and where do you see it going, right? In the next 5 to 10 years, especially as it relates to entrepreneurship. Yeah. So currently we had 40% of women drop out of the workforce related to the yeah. pandemic. Now that's right. that's inside corporate. Yep. I feel like in entrepreneurship there has never been a bigger boom or better time for women in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. We have we still have a lot of challenges that we're facing. We mm-hmm. are dealing with like the the biggest challenges that I think female founders and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. face is bias, money yeah. and access. Totally. And, and child care, right? Yeah. Gonna throw that, I'm going to throw that one in yeah. from personal experience. <laughs> I throw that in with the bias piece, right? Totally. So, you know, mm. the Pew Research Center has done uh, great studies on women in leadership. The most recent one in 2018 put side by side qualities of leadership and how women 
um, perform in those qualities, how men do, and then how women are perceived as performing in those qualities and men are perceived. Mm. Women, women beat men in nearly every category with the exception of risk mm. and vision. And that I think is just an interpretation problem personally. But yeah. so we have the skills, but mm. we still have a majority of men that are in leadership positions. Which brings with it, I will say, a perception problem, right? When you yeah. talk about actual actual skills and demonstrated performance versus the perception of that. Yeah. Yes. And that's that's the bias part of this. And the biggest part of the bias is not even the conscious bias. It's the unconscious bias that's part. Right. It's that... Um, Seven out of 10 women say there are too few women in high political office mm-hmm. or in top executive positions. This is from that Pew study. Yep. And half of men say the same. So what that says to me is that there's not even a, an awareness that there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Not that there is an active blocking of women into these yes. positions. It's that there's no awareness that an issue exists to be mm-hmm. able to do something about it. It's true. So when it when it comes to being a female founder, some of it is you're going to be doing some educating. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think even even for women not in a founder position, right? So even for women in a career position or, you know, any place in the market, I, I feel like there is a continual opportunity to educate not only peers and colleagues, but management. And mm-hmm. And part of it has to be through... Um, unfortunately, right, the onus falls on women to lead this conversation and to have it, I think, most of the time and to demonstrate that it's necessary to have mm-hmm. it. But it is by creating these what are often uncomfortable moments and uncomfortable conversations for other people. Yeah. Well, and this is why I'm such a fan of female founders. Yeah, I know. I get so excited for people on, for women on that path. It's often where they just end up naturally, Right. They climb and climb or have the difficult conversations or or just get to a point of like, you know what, I'm opting out of this whole system thing and I'm just going to go over here and do my thing. And yeah. the number of women that I know that have done that, I mean, good for them. I'm so glad women are doing that and it's not without its hurdles. Yes. Well, that's we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute, but I have an executive transition mastermind that's mm-hmm. happening in May. I that love is it. exactly, was designed for that reason, uh-huh. but... Bias, money, and access. That's the biggest yeah. challenges for for founders, female founders in entrepreneurship right now. The money part, mm-hmm. especially unless you're bootstrapping it yourself, there's 2.6% of venture capital goes to female founders, mm-hmm. even less to female founders of color. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's abysmal. So, you know, finding alternative funding opportunities, um, finding opportunities to mentor and mastermind with each other and connect and network mm-hmm. with each other. I just mm. honestly, where I think this is going, Heather, I think in the next decade, we're just going to see a whole new system and paradigm arise that is parallel to what is, you know, eventually either going to change or die off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the same is happening in our education systems. I think it's going to happen in our political systems across the board. Our systems are not working. Yeah. And this is one of them, right? But it's um, it's partly why I love entrepreneurship and also partly why I'm so dedicated to getting the right people, the right support so that they can go create those mission-focused, impact-driven small businesses that that do the important work that they're here to do, right? And yeah. we got to keep going. Well, I feel like, you know how the, I don't know if you've heard the quote, but the 
The outer conditions of a person's life are harmoniously related related to their interior story. Mm. So, for instance, if the outside of your house, you know, if you're living in a messy house, (laughs) chances are you got a a messy thought process going on. Mm. Like whatever your story is, that's Mm. what dictates this environment that you've surrounded yourself with. Mm. What's exciting to me about female founders building these impactful businesses and or Mm. the entire system that supports the building of female-led impactful businesses, I honestly feel like it's reflective of the future of our democracy. Mm-hmm. And that's it gives me hope. So even in the midst of these turbulent times, to mm. me, that's one of those little like growing shoots coming up from the ground that has promise. It's, mm. it's a version of delivering on what was promised to us in our constitution. Yeah. And women being able to go and start this indicates mm. to me that we're we're going through it, but we're building something that is better and closer to that vision that we had in mind in the first place. Mm, I love that. That was another goosebumps moment. And I think of businesses, even small businesses as problem solvers and incubators of change. Absolutely. Right. And the single largest employer in the United States, by the way. Also true. (laughs) And I do a lot of talking about those statistics, right? Because they're super relevant, even from a legal perspective. But yeah, that piece, you're right, absolutely should give us hope. Because um, I mean, I even now, you know, whatever, three years into the pandemic, whatever it's been, the number of women that I know right now that are considering or about to, or already have transitions underway, leaving some of these traditional roles into creating their own entirely new thing and and new business models that are like these beautiful, brilliant blends of like something that did not exist before, right? Oh, gets the juices flowing, totally. Right? It's exciting. It's very exciting. Well, Don, I am so thrilled that we got you on the podcast after a handful of years of not being connected. It's so great to hear what you're up to. Um, for folks that are like, gosh, I need to find out more about what Don is up to. I need to connect with her or follow her. Tell us a little bit about where you are at online. Yeah, the fastest way to find me and all the different things that I'm up to, especially related to female founders and to... Um, helping founders become CEOs is donandrews.com. And then you can find me on socials. LinkedIn is where a lot of it happens. But to be to be honest, on the real real, I'm usually hiding out on Instagram. I just like pretty (laughs) pictures. Me too. As a former photographer, I can't help myself. But yes, I love spending time on LinkedIn for the like the LinkedIn is where I find the people like ready to move. Like, okay, it's the difference between like for Facebook for many years, it was like, oh, can I have this free thing? Can you give me this free advice? Can I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And LinkedIn is like, how do I hire you already? Yeah, let's get her done. Exactly. Totally. Yes. Well, I love it. We will share all of your links, including your website and your social links over on the show notes page. So folks, jump over and find Dawn and her uh, her podcast post at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. Connect with her there. And I highly recommend you do that. Dawn, what final thoughts would you like to leave us with today? Hmm, let's think. I always love the the go-to quote that commit because whatever you commit to and you begin, there's power and magic in it. Mm-hmm. So begin yes. it now. So whatever uh, that is for you, begin it now. Oh, it's so true. The power of beginnings of just getting started. I love that. 
perfect. And here, I know this won't publish until a few months later, but we're recording this at, you know, relatively the start of 2023. So that's perfect. Don, thank you so much. I so look forward to being in touch again very soon. I'm so happy to see you again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.